You're listening to the Carverline Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker. With me, as always, is the Director of Technical Service, Mr. Paul Jameis. Now, Paul, we're coming up on, I think, quite possibly, well, it was last Friday. But now, you know, one thing that's kind of enjoyable for me is not, now you have to work a full week every week now that Lynn is over. Yeah, yeah, fish fries are done. I mean, on one hand, it's <laughs> I'll be kind here of, all day on Fridays. It's it's kind of nice to have your boss leave at noon on Fridays. Yeah, there there there's a give and take, right? Yeah, there's, yep. there's it's like the swords. There's good side and there's a bad. <laughs> yeah, I've got a few other quotes from that movie that pop into my mind. <laughs> you can reach us at our normal phone numbers. You can also get us at email technical service at carboline.com. Jack's on Twitter at jack underscore ctsp. I'm at Paul underscore CTSP. So we've told you how to get a hold of us, and we're cranking through our episodes here from NACE Corrosion 2019 and SSPC Coatings Plus, and we're actually going to go back in time. We're going to hit 88 miles per hour and go back to February. February? February? Yeah, I'll go with February. February, yeah. yeah. Where we got to sit down at SSPC Coatings Plus with Graham Thomas and Brad Gooden from Blast One. Now, Graham is the Innovation and Technology Director for Blast One. So all of the cool stuff that you see that Blast One does, pretty sure that comes from Graham. And then we got Brad Gooden, a Vice President for Blast One. So we were lucky enough to have these two gentlemen sit down with us, talk about Blast One and where the abrasive blasting industry is going. So here's our interview with Graham and Brad. Once again, we're here at SSBC Coatings Plus, and like we always say on the show, if we don't know the answer, we know the people who do. So we're lucky enough to be joined by Graham Thomas and Brad Gooden from Blast One, and we're here to talk about the blasting industry. And I have to say, leading up to it, you guys have an awesome booth. It, I mean, the simplicity of the shipping container for all your stuff and open it up and you have a booth ready, it's covered in blasting robots. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks, Paul. It's a bit like how we operate, is simplicity. So we like to bring a complete solution to a project. We're not a traditional vendor that may sell abrasive or sell a pump. We, we believe in the power of partnerships, and so we will work closely with a material supplier and a client to deliver lower-cost, safer projects. And we do that through both the equipment and the consumables. It's very important to us to get the uh, right balance between the right abrasive Abrasive selection is a bit of an art and a bit of a science. There's a lot of um, fallacies in the industry around what works best at what pressure and what environment. Um, So it's not just the hardest thing I can get and throw it as fast and as hard as I can at the surface? That's not the best way? No, that's not. That that (laughs) seems to be how the bridge painters do it. So what we're looking for is the ideal abrasive at working with the right equipment. It's very important to get get that right. And then we also supply the full range of other equipment that goes with it, the robotic application heads, the blast pots, the safety equipment, vacuum equipment, grit cleaning equipment. Does that make sense, Brad? Yeah, that's good. And then the third part of what we do is the support and the training and the education and the on-site technical support because really what we boil it down is what you said is three things. There's a three-legged stool, the most successful blasting project, it's superior abrasive, getting the right abrasive the superior equipment, the right equipment for that abrasive, the right equipment for the job, and then the superior know-how and the support and how to do that project. So it's like our three-legged stool that ultimately gives superior performance to the coating contractor. 
And, you know, that's one of the big things is we get a lot of questions in tech service about what abrasive should we use or how should we set it up. And, and we tell them all the time, I'm the coding supplier. I tell you what the result needs to be, not how to get there. And once you're talking about paint, we'll talk all day long. But I've never claimed to be an abrasive blast expert, never abrasive media expert. It's, it's guys like you that we tell them either to call or we try to get together on a phone call with and say, these are the people that you need to talk to. And that really is the key is having the knowledge to be able to help them set it up to use the right equipment. You know, and we joke about it and say they just use the hardest one as fast as they can. But a lot of times that's what they do when they don't know. And that's not the economical way to do it. I think it's important to follow up on what Brad said is that the best equipment in the world or the best coding in the world, poorly applied, is never gives a good outcome. And that's really what we're looking at here is the need to look at every project outside the lens of what's the cheapest price per litre or the cheapest cost per pound. Um, I, I realise you don't have litres in, 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 in the US. So what do you have, gallons? Yeah, sorry. We, we, we have litres, but it's just soda. Okay. And, and you know, we, are, we are the part of the global tech service team, so I have that cheat sheet on my desk of litres to gallons. That's yep. <laughs> centimetres to metres and yards and, yeah, oh yeah, that's there. So just following up on that, it's really important to understand the outcome we're looking for. We say this is the industry of the three Ds, dirty, dusty, and dangerous. And we as a company have a mission to make the lives of blasters better globally. And we do that through the three axes that Brad mentioned, which was superior abrasives, superior equipment, and then the knowledge, the superior knowledge, the training, the tech services, the on-site support that makes it all work and brings it together. All right, here we go again. Time to pay the bills. Time to make sure the family gets fed. So, this thing's brought to you by Carbline, if you haven't figured it out by now, because it's called the Carbline Tech Service Podcast. So what we'd like to remind you is that we're going to be at the Offshore Technology Conference in Houston, Texas. That's May 6th through 9th. Now, when we say we, I know it's a little confusing because Paul and I were allowed to be let out of our cages there for a little bit. Yeah, they, they shut Big the door on us. smiles on our faces. Right. But... Um, Paul and I will not be there. So you have to contain your excitement. You'll have to go meet some other very nice, very fine Carboline folks. That's right. They're going to be in booth 8631. Stop by and say hi. They're not going to have socks for you, but you should still go say hi. Well, they might have socks. Yeah. You don't know. You can ask for socks. Let's yeah. make it a thing. There you go. Anyway, we'd also like to take a moment to talk to you about Phenoline Tank Shield and Tank Shield FP. Phenoline Tank Shield and Tank Shield FP have low temperature cure properties, which make them great for use all over the country and all year long. With Tank Shield FP, you can coat a very heavily pitted steel tank and come out with a very smooth lining service. Tank Shield FP is a fantastic pit filling holding primer with an extended recoat window. One of the great advantages about the Phenoline Tank Shield is that it is batch mix, so you can apply it with a single leg airless and it is blush resistant. So anybody who's been around the paint industry for a really long time knows how much blush can be a problem. Well, we're here to tell you that with Phenoline Tank Shield, you will no longer have that problem. So let's talk a little bit about the, the services and the training that you guys have. So you not only just sell the equipment, you also do rental and training as well, right? Yes, yeah, so many times the right piece of equipment won't actually be in that contractor's fleet, which obviously is a rental opportunity sure. um, to get exactly the piece of equipment we need, get it on site quickly, and that is something we encourage because it gives the best outcome at the lowest price to the contractor. What do you say about rental, Brad? What we found with, with rental, especially once you get into the more technical products 
it's not just a simple blast port. Once you get a more technical product, a wet hire versus a dry hire, where you actually get a trained operator or trained technician to come in for several days, work with the crew, train them up how to use it, coach them on the different techniques. It, that's where they get the real value out of renting equipment versus just buying and owning it themselves. So do you guys supply on-site training when you send the equipment out? Is that one of the services that you offer with it? 100%, yeah. It's crucial. In order to get a successful job, you've got to have the right support and the right training on site. So the guys actually on the tools get the knowledge on how to use it right, how to tune it right, how to get the gun, you know, how to get the most production out of it, make sure it's safe, doesn't break down on day two because of something that's been done wrong, etc. I don't know if it makes sense, Graham. Oh, yeah, because it is amazing when we do some of our coding training, we run into the same thing. And, you know, we tell them all the time, just point this end of the gun at whatever you want cut off. Because if you inject yourself, that part's getting cut off. So be careful. Point it at the right things. We would see that any successful contractor is investing in his operators. There's a common saying, isn't it, that uh, I don't want to train my operators because they might leave. And then I take that, uh, I've invested in them. Well, what the alternative, of course, as I think Henry Ford said, was that imagine if you didn't train your operators and they stay. And they stay around, yep. So well, every, every one of us needs to be investing in our people. And that means that there's, a, there's formal and informal training in everyone's weekly timesheet. So that it might be, I would encourage a contractor to reach out to his vendors and get training on the products that are being used on site. It will save money, make the job site safer and improve the quality of everyone on the job. Let's take a little step here and talk about the equipment itself. Uh, it's come a long way in a short period of time where, you know, Paul mentioned earlier, you have the robots going on over in your, in your booth. Talk about the development or where you see what's next, what's what's coming down the road in, in your industry. So that's a big ask and a great <laughs> question. <laughs> so there's two key trends that we see. One is higher productivity equipment. It's not within the realms of fantasy to see that efficiency doubling over time. People are using abrasives that are tougher. There's been a move towards garnet as an abrasive and particularly alluvial garnet, which has, can uh, operate at higher pressures, and we can use a finer abrasive to still get the same profile. A finer abrasive has more particles per pound, so we can run at higher productivity rates, higher square feet per hour. So what we're seeing is development in product and development in equipment leading to ongoing increases in efficiency. At the same time, we're reducing hazards. The third area is automation and we say we're in the information age, but what's that really mean for us as an industry? And certainly automation, you mentioned robots, getting the worker away from the actual job face. Right. It's hard to do it in this industry, but it is happening. What do you say, Brad? And the other part of what we're seeing is, is the data. So you go onto a job site, or you talk to a project manager, how much abrasive did you use yesterday? Don't know. Oh, we put three bags in the pot, how full is the pot? Don't know. How much work did they get done yesterday? Well, these things, like at the end, like five, ten years' time, the project managers need to have that information at their fingertips, even if they're a thousand miles away from that project. That's excellent. Well, guys, thank you very much for coming on the show. Graham, Brad, I think our listeners will find it Just very Just on the name thing, my name is Graham with a G as in as in goat, not Brian as a, with a B as in <laughs> Yeah, so when, when Graham walked up, I thought he said his name was Brian, and yes, I don't know where I got that Universally, from. I'm called Brian, but that is not my name. Ah. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Thank you again for tuning in. We truly enjoy your participation in this thing and all matters 
We'll see you next Monday. And so, for the Carboline Tech Service Podcast, I'm Paul. And I'm Jack. And we'd we'd like like to to thank thank you for your support. support.